Welcome to Next Level Healing. I'm your host, Dr. Tara Perry. For 25 years, I've helped professionals, first responders, celebrities, Olympians, teachers, moms, dads, and people just like you achieve their results better and faster than they thought possible. This is where measurable modern science meets the quantum. We're so glad you're here. Let's dive right in. Hey, and welcome to Next Level Healing. I have a very special guest today. I'm so glad you're here. I am here with a professional interspecies intuitive communicator. She's been doing this professionally for over 30 years. She's taught around the world. She's written seven books. Um, I stumbled across her because I needed help for my cat. And when I found out she had um, worked with a friend of mine and said something that was um, really accurate and um, important about her beloved pet, pet, I needed to I needed to have a piece of this. <laughs> so welcome to Next Level Healing, Kate. Kate Solisi. Thank you so much, Tara. It's lovely to be with you. I think we've, you know, don't, we've, we, yes, we started off with a client relationship, but I think we're fast becoming friends here. So this is really lovely. <laughs> yeah. It, it's, um, gosh, animals are so precious uh, and they, they give us so much. I had the beautiful privilege of interviewing um, John Robbins, author of Diet for New America. Um, and he, he wrote such a gorgeous chapter on animals. And they, I mean, you just cried. It, it, it was so apparent that animals give so much to us. And I think, and, and I know your point of view also is that we need to appreciate that and um, honor it and, and really cherish it. Um, so um, how, Kate, did you first know that you had a gift for this? Well, I, some of my earliest memories, Tara, are of hearing. And when I say hearing, it was really perceiving. I don't hear voices like, you know, the the Dr. Doolittle movie with Eddie Murphy. <laughs> I don't hear voices, but I receive thoughts. So I would call that telepathy. Yeah. And I receive pictures so that you you could describe as clairvoyant um, and uh, and also feelings. So that's a kinesthetic sense um, and clear sentience. You know, we have words for these non-physical receiving. Mm -hmm. And as you know, often when people say to me, well, you know, I don't believe this is real. And I love to say, well, do we name things that aren't real? We have names for non-visual seeing, clairvoyance, non-physical non, uh, hearing, clairaudient, and so on. So earliest memories were of receiving information from animals and plants too. And, um, but interestingly, I perceived the humans around me um, weren't open in the same way. I was the first child, so I was precocious. So too, I was very verbal. <laughs> And that kind of got me in trouble because I would, you know, at first it was cute, right? That I would say, oh, the rose told me such and such. And the turtle said this and the cat wants to, you know, wants this. And that's very cute when you're two and three. And then they start to go, you know, that's your imagination, honey. And I started to feel uncomfortable with the duality of hearing and feeling people's thoughts and feelings. And then they'd say something that was totally different and not sure what to do with that. Um, and I got in trouble kind of uh, with that one time. I'll tell you that story in a second. But what happened that was really special was when I was trying to figure out 
how to communicate with my parents. Uh, my dad gave me this beautiful, special orange tabby kitten. And his name was Dusty. And it was love at first sight. I was three. And um, Dusty communicated to me and said, you know, we're just going to do this together. Um, it's best you not tell your parents because they just, they don't understand. And I remember feeling both sad and relieved at the same time. And that began a very magical journey of such love and connection. Um, so I was three and um, that's how it started. <laughs> but people, I didn't want to hear people because it, huh. it, it, because again, I got in trouble because my mom was having a tea party and Dusty and I were sitting in the middle and listening to the ladies. And after the tea party, I said to my mother, oh, Mrs. So-and-so really hates her husband. And of course, my mother went, oh, that's not true. Where did you ever get that idea? And I went, uh-oh, because that's what she was thinking and feeling, I'm saying to myself. Yeah. She said, but but that's not okay. So I kind of early on made a decision that I wasn't going to do this with people because it was so confusing. You know, with animals, it was just clear. It was just, there was no duality there. It was who they were and how they are, how they were in the world. And so, and that's gotten me in trouble in the future because I haven't paid attention to that. Those things, but this is so interesting, Kate. I mean, I, 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 my jaw's been open this whole time you've been talking because that is what we love about animals so much is what you see is what you get. There's no guile, there's no back agenda. And exactly. Notice at such an early age, I, I honestly, this is the first I'm learning that you add these people skills as well to be able to pick up on people and, and chose not to develop that because it was too complicated. And since I do work in the human subconscious mind, I, <laughs> I, I just find that a, a, an interesting uh, life's choice and path. And, and, and I appreciate that because I'm an animal lover too. I mean, uh, I, whenever I hear or, or, or know about animal cruelty of any kind, it, it rips my guts out because I just, I, I, I get how special they are and, and how much they have to give us materially and not materially. I mean, John Robbins reported um, numerous studies and I just went online the other day just to verify, you know, people who, people live longer with pets. They, they, they survive surgeries quicker. Um, and, and there's been many uh, studies that they've given prisoners either a plant or um, a kitten or something to take care of. And lo and behold, they don't end up going back to prison. So there's something very magical in this beautiful relationship. And, and if we don't honor it, then it, it, it doesn't have life. It doesn't have roots. It doesn't have growth. That's, that's beautiful. It's true. And the, um, there was a wonderful program in the prisons where they would, they would work with, the prisoners would work with, uh, Mustangs, wild Mustangs. And the transformation in the men and the, and the, uh, horses was so dramatic because, they had to tune into each other. They had to work through their fears and traumas. It was, it was, it is. And then of course it got defunded, but it, it, again, the recidivism uh, went way down in the prisoners um, who had that experience because the horses helped them heal their traumas and their issues. Um, so they could move on. And so very, very powerful. And dogs, they've done, there's been a lot of work with women prisoners and dogs, training dogs um, that were rescue dogs. And, and again, transformational. So I will tell you a story that I think you'll really love. Years ago, when I first began as a professional, um, 
I was told this story and by the animals. And they said, back in the beginning, when all beings manifested as aspects of the divine, there was a time where we would sit around the campfire, if you will, the council fire, and each being would bring their experiences of life to the fire and share. And the bee would talk about the dance with the flowers and how they would communicate to the hive. And the dolphins would talk about their incredible relationship with water and, and air and the cheetah with speed and so on and so forth. And humans sat there and went, well, okay, we're not fast like a cheetah and we're not, you know, gifted with the flowers like the bees. What do we have? What do we bring? And when we figured out, oh, it's this brain that we have that has, you know, things and this extra thing in the front, which we now call the neocortex, that the animals don't have. So let's explore that. Let's let's go out and explore that and bring that information back to the council fire. So off went the humans. And for a while, they would come back and they would share. But as time went by, they used this neocortex that really focused on duality, either or, black, white, you, me. That became all-consuming for them, and they stopped coming back. And the animals and all of the insects and all of the, the kingdoms looked at this and said, well, they have to take their path. But there were three species and those with the dog, the cat, and the horse who said, well, I think, we think they need some help and support. And we will link our futures, our lives with them so that we can help them find their way back to source, back to love. And so those three species committed, they're all to helping us find our way home. And that is why <laughs> most of our pets are dogs, cats, and horses from a metaphysical standpoint. From this story, I have learned that there are that, that there's a, that similar stories in different indigenous peoples' uh, um, histories of of their their past and their stories. So, um, but but that is uh, for me part of the reason why I wrote the books "Conversations with Dog, Cat, and Horse" because of those that very special commitment that they have made to help us. I'm, liter I'm literally tearing up. Um, <laughs> interview I've done that I've teared up and, um, Ooh, um, that's powerful. Um, my, my mother raised Arabian horses. Um, so I was incredibly blessed to be in that environment and the oh, yes. story of how her, her father imported one of the most famous Arabians from, um, England, which came from, um, Saudi Arabia. Um, and, this woman in England, who was an upper crust English woman, um, you know, went to go live with the Bedouins in the Saudi Arabian desert because she was so enamored with these horses. Oh, wow. Oh, their wow. Race, their strength, their stamina. Um, I'm still crying here. <laughs> and um, I mean, it, it, imagine an upper crust English woman at that time going and living with the Bedou Bedouins. That's like uh, Lawrence of Arabia type stuff. Oh, yeah. So they don't, you know, their horses are like their family. Yes. They won't sell them to you. They will give them to you. And there might be some monetary exchange that goes along with that just as a share trade. I don't know. Um, but um, so she was entrusted to bring this beautiful creature back to England. And then my mother's father won that woman's trust and was able to bring the horse to America. Um, his name was Raffles. He's super famous all over the Arabian world. 
Um, so my mother spent her life, um, much of it, uh, working with that bloodline. So I, I went to Arabian war shows all over the country when I was growing up. And this was just, you know, we were, we were just used to having walls of awards and <laughs> I mean, this was just how I grew up. You know, it's like, oh, doesn't every kid grow up this way? It's like, oh. <laughs> wow. Um, but I, I love the insights that you have about the horses, the, the horses, um, because they were like family members to these people and they, they love to run. These are endurance horses. So my mother's beloved Michael, um, he had the record in the United States for quite some time for a hundred miles. It's called the Tevis and they're, they're built for that. They, they, they enjoy it. Um, and then he had the record for two and a half miles, uh, for a long, long time. Um, and I've got pictures of, you know, him winning. I mean, it would look like Seabiscuit. He was miles ahead of any other horse out there. Um, I'd love to have you talk about that a little bit. Um, I, I, I have friends in the horse racing world, and I know that there's a lot of abuse that goes on there. So I, I don't want to go too heavily into that. But can you talk about an animal wanting to run, wanting to do that, wanting to serve these people in the desert? And and where it crosses the line where it, it gets to be abusive. Um, I know once human greed and power and and disrespect for the creature gets introduced. And, and that's true for our food supply as well, um, which I, I know is a horrendous nightmare. And, and I know if people could see uh, how the animals were treated that are populating our food supply, we most of us would go vegan. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, I love, I mean, Arabians, I have always loved their, their, their special, like the Bedouin, they demand respect. And if, and if people don't give it to them, they won't give that person the time of day, which, you know, in certain circles works against Arabians. If somebody wants to dominate and control them, they're going to have one stubborn, you know, F you horse. On their You're going to end up on your face on, on the, on the rocks. Oh yeah. Oh Yeah. Yeah, if you can even get on, you know. So, so no, they demand respect, and they they. But when when they when that mutual respect and that surrender of trust, for, you know, is mutual, they'll go to the ends of the earth for the person that they love, and uh, so they they always are special in my heart, Arabians. And um, but uh, um, so I'm sorry. Go back to your original question about horses. Uh they're, they're, the animals, especially these three animals, right. have gone to great lengths to sacrifice for our yes. animals. I'm just curious from your point of view, um, how what are the things that we need to be aware of? When does it cross over from them being generous and loving to abusive? I mean, even our even the food supply for animals right now is so right. I know a lot of what you do is pet nutrition, which is, again, why I sought you out, because I hadn't gotten the needed results for getting my cat healthy. So I needed additional advice on that. And you have like recipes and guidelines. And and unfortunately, as bad as the human uh, food supply is, the animal food supply is way worse because they can't tell you how hideous the food is. And animal cancers have gone up, you know, lockstep with human cancers. And there's a reason for this. It's just the, they're not getting, they're, they're getting no nutrition. Yes. And so to the abuse question, Again, because um, horses carry the quality of idealism and idealism is persistent hopefulness. That's one of the definitions of idealism, but they do have to give themselves to humans. And again, it gets back down to respect, Tara. If we respect and love another being, no matter 
four feet or two feet or wings um, or none, none of the above, <laughs> um, if we honor them as indigenous people always have, then we don't abuse them. We don't use them. The trouble is the separation. We talked. I talked about the dualistic mind. That's what's gotten us in all this trouble, and that's what's created all this destruction. That we re, that we you know act out on each other, and that we are acting out on the planet because we've created this separation and this you me not us. And so, truly, the way back home to stop the abuses of our uh, the horses, dogs, cats, all you know, cows horses, uh, cows, pigs, chickens, everybody is to, to honor these beings as, as family, as kin. They are our kin, our family. And, and of course, indigenous people have taught this forever. They live this way. They honor if an animal is given their life so that the people may live, they honor. There's a deer dance or a buffalo dance. There's great gratitude. And that's another piece that we miss is the gratitude for what is given and um, so, yes, it's this huge disconnect that causes the abuse, that causes the inability to um, to say, wait a minute, this is wrong. You know, there's so many emperors with no clothes on that it's time for those of us who know it, who see it and feel it to step up and say, this is just wrong. This this needs to stop and not just go, I, I can't I can't say anything because of fill in the blank. No, we must. Beautiful. Again, as you know, um, from your background and working with people the way you do, there's so much pain and trauma that people go into denial of their own physical bodies, let alone others. So there's so much healing that that uh, humanity needs. And this is one of the things that's so powerful about the animals is that they want to help us heal. And there's there's different ways this happens. As I said, the dog, cat, and the horse have very personal ways of working and healing. We talked about that a little bit yesterday um, in terms of animals taking on our own animals, taking on our illnesses and our stresses, and uh, and they will manifest something. And I, this happens all the time with my clients. So they'll come to me because their animal is manifesting some kind of illness that the vets can't quite figure out, or you know, it's chronic. It keeps coming back, and they don't keep wanting to do more drugs and more drugs. What do we do? So. The key is to get to the cause. And very often, the cause is that and it comes out usually quite beautifully, It that the animal, through me, helps the person see that, oh, this manifestation of this stomach problem is exactly the same as the person has. So the cat or dog or horse has ulcers, and guess who else has ulcers? Mm-hmm. So when the human realizes that, and the first thing they say is, please tell her to stop taking on my stuff. <clears throat> and I have to say, well, I might as well tell her to stop breathing. That's not going to happen because this is part of how she loves you and helps you. So the very best way for you to help her is for you to help you go get the healing you need, whether it's therapy, whether it's medicine, whether it's you know diet and food changing and lifestyle change, whatever it is. That will allow her to use her energy to help herself heal. You focus on your healing and that will help her heal. That's that's primary. So there's, and animals are aware that they're doing that. And I'm just grateful because my clients have that level of awareness. They wouldn't come to me because they already know, you know, they wouldn't come to an animal communicator, an interspecies communicator, if they didn't believe that person A could hear what their animals have to say and B, their animals have something to say. 
Yeah. So that is a different level of just people who are completely shut off or asleep, as you say. But the other level to this is the wild animals. Our kin have so many ways of helping us reconnect. And when we reconnect to who we truly are, whether it's through the jaguar or the dolphin or the elephant or the panda, the lion, whomever group, and I usually refer to them as the councils of, and what I mean by that, it's the higher group spirit, higher self, higher higher mind of all leopards, all elephants. And so the wisdom of generations of those beings and the spiritual essence of elephants is that council. At least that's my understanding and how I can best uh, describe it. And they have, you know, I have been so honored to be able to bring forth these messages to um, my community that uh, that have been so powerfully healing and help. And actually, the wisdom of the animals and the gifts they give often it's a gift of a meditation. So they 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 will give them a specific meditation to help people connect to their hearts, or they will take us on a journey into you know, a sh- like a shamanic journey into uh, a, a sacred place. Um, or they will, uh, th- there's so many ways they bring through their wisdom. And so what, I, what I'm experiencing now, because I'm inviting my community to write down, okay, you've got this message. Now write down what's relevant to you. What are you going to do with that information? And they have actually gone forth use those messages and made major transformations in their lives. And this is huge because as we were talking about before, to in order to wake up, you're going to have to find that wisdom and the connection in your heart. And to do that, you may have to work through some stuff, right? You do with people all the time. 100%. No, and, and there there is, well, it's, it's, um, it's fear invoking and it's um, vulnerability invoking. Yes. And so I work with people that have an eight, nine or 10 need to change or an eight and an eight, nine or a 10, uh, 10 uh, commitment to change because it's uncomfortable. Um, and, yep. you know, you have, scary. To, you have to want the result. Um, exactly. I, I know it's a crazy comparison, but right now I'm, I'm learning, I'm taking voice lessons and uh-huh. uh, people are, people might, you have to be willing to be, look stupid to, to all <laughs> And to trust the person that is, uh, you know, a a known, um, established, um, trustworthy guide. Yes. And if you were giving advice to people about, uh, you know, who to, I mean, if they're not, if they weren't to see you, let's just say you were either unavailable, you were in Africa for a month and they needed an animal communicator. How would they know how to determine who's, because I have to imagine in your world, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> In many worlds, there are a lot of um, not so real people, or or maybe even well motivated people. Um, what would be the key things that somebody would look for? In my case, I had a tip off because you gave a friend who I trust specific information that turned out to be a hundred percent accurate. And then when I worked with you, I also found that oh yes, it was my stress that was conferring onto my cat. And here's my kitty right now, right on cue. <laughs> she is. I see the tail. Hello, but he say hi. We're talking about you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I, I, I realized that yeah, what, it just became so obvious that my stress was causing her issues, and 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 now that I'm you know 
not in that stressful state. She's, of course, better. But and you also gave me some amazing. Would you share with us one story or two or three, whatever comes to mind of of people that you worked with that it, it just became so incredibly obvious? You know, one of those veridical stories like undeniable. And of course, I know you have uh, whatever, what, what, whoever's identity you have to protect. You don't have to obviously. <laughs> but but what's an example or two or three of, of a, a case where you were working with somebody and it just became so overwhelmingly obvious that the owner's issues were transferring onto the, the animal. Certainly. Oh, lots. <laughs> um, well, in terms of owner's issues uh, transferring, you know, th there, there absolutely are those situations of things like stomach ulcers and things like that, um, where somebody says, oh my gosh, I have the same issue. Um, so there's those, those happen all the time and it happens with dogs and horses more frequently than cats because cats are usually able to take an illness unless they want to manifest it. Oh, they need to manifest it. But cats, I mean, one of the things that they told me many years ago was we were not worshipped in Egypt just because we were pretty and good mousers. <laughs> we were, we were, we were worshipped in Egypt because we worked with the healers and we had the ability to augment the healers' healing, which meant if we were in a, a session with a healer and a patient, we could take energies from that patient, energetically massage them and release them. So we worked in partnership with healers. So cats have this ability where they don't usually have to take it into their bodies and manifest it. If they do, there's reasons for that. They and again, they they are making a point, and they need they need someone to notice that, or they can be too. You know, we talked uh, briefly about the poor quality of food. Um, if they're eating really crappy food then it's, it's difficult to do that, transmu that, that transmutation of stuff. It ends up getting stuck mm. because they're clogged up, so to sure. speak. So, so diet nutrition is important not only for their physical health, but also for their health as a healer and, you know, and their emotional health. As we know, dogs and horses tend to manifest it in their bodies um, to, uh, because it's hard. they don't always know how to do that the way a cat does. Um, so is there uh, like a, a horse owner that had some physical thing that they were not resolving and the horse ended up with the same issue? Oh, yeah. I think the ulcer is the best one with horses because a lot of horses get ulcers. Really? But what happened with, yeah, a lot of performance horses and especially racehorses oh. uh, because they're pushed too hard most right. of the time. Right. And yes, as you mentioned, some do love to run and run for the joy of it, but that can be taken advantage of, as you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, again, they're not necessarily running on their schedule. They're running on ours. And uh, thoroughbreds are run too young. Yeah. They were never meant to be running as youngsters. Their, their bones and their bodies are not formulated. We have a terrible epidemic of horses dying or racetracks. Horrible. Yes, it is horrible. bad. Yeah. Horrible. Yeah. I, I live near Saratoga and my sister, I've been to, I love, Saratoga is a beautiful town. That racetrack is famous for, you know, a very special place for many people. Just yesterday, I read 14 horses have died on that track mm. just this season. Mm. This is unacceptable. And yeah. there's another, you know, this has to stop. And they're running them too young. They're not fully formed. And why? Because they don't want to feed them and take care of them until they're eight. Uh, they want to run them at two. Mm. Anyway, to answer your question. So this, this person, so this horse had recurring ulcers. So she pulled way back on 
the intense work, the intense performance, um, and he would get better for a little while, and then it would come up again. And so the vets were flummoxed, and they'd done a lot. So she came to me and said, um, you know, we can't get to the bottom of this. Why does he keep developing this ulcer? And the horse was really clear. He's like, this is a mirror. Mm. That's how he put it. This is a mirror. So I said that to her and she went, oh boy. <laughs> because she had been taking all kinds of meds to try and keep her ulcer at bay. And and he said, he, he did say, he said, you, you do too much, you push too hard, you don't take care of yourself. It's burning you up inside. Wow. Mm-hmm. And she, that's what she said. <laughs> well, wow. And was a little, you know, kind of got choked up and went, you know, he's absolutely right. I had never met this woman. You know, I didn't know what she did or what she didn't do. Yeah. And um, she said, you know, he's absolutely right. And then she looked, she got very soft and sweet said, would he get better if I got better? And I asked him and he said, absolutely. Oh, geez, I'm crying again. <laughs> I know, I know. So bless her heart. She said, okay, I'm on it. I'm going to do this. I'm going to, I'm going to take care. I'm going to pay attention to, I have to start saying no to things that people ask me to do. I have to find quiet time. I have to, you know, she had the stuff to do. It was just committing to it. And doing it, as you so well know, if people don't commit, forget about it, you know. But because she could watch him either, you know, he became like a little barometer, right? So when she was, if she was having a flare up, she knew he was going to have a flare up and binged out just like clockwork. Yep. And so that that became her her motivation to finally change her life and get some healing because she'd had stomach issues for years because she grew up doing too much for everybody and and racing around being Wonder Woman, you know? It was just not, she couldn't do it anymore. And it was going to kill her if she kept up because it was going to develop into something worse. So she did. She, she changed her life. And lo and behold, <laughs> when her ulcers went away and her life became manage- manageable and balanced, guess what? He was fine. That's crazy. Well, it's not crazy because the same thing happened with me. Um, my cat had been having GI issues and UTI issues for 18 months off and on. And um, it peaked when she didn't eat or drink for six days right before Christmas. Yeah. And I was freaking out. Um, that's when I got the referral to you. Um and I was seeking a good holistic vet because it's yes. and, you know, just as hard to find a good animal doctor as, as a human doctor. Indeed. It's really, 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 really challenging. And the woman I was referred to by two dear friends, she was too booked up and she was like, the office was like, well, you can leave your cat, you know, and we can, you can leave her overnight. And I'm like, there's no way I'm leaving my sick cat overnight. <laughs> so I took her to another vet and got her x-rays and, you know, uh, blood tests. And I was relieved that nothing catastrophic was going on because I, I thought she was critical. I thought she wasn't going to make it. Um, and then it was... Two months later, three months later, I think, I can't remember whether you and I had a session first or whether, well, I came down with a UTI and it was not any, there was no reason for it at all. In fact, it ended up being a a totally normal commensal bacteria that normally should not be a big deal. So I realized that was my wake up call. And again, I appreciate my dear sweet cat who's right next to me right now down here. 
Yeah, does my little kitty. Yes, she is. <laughs> for being that mirror for me, because I realized, holy mackerel, you know, and, and what's the irony is, is, you know, I help people with stress. <laughs> no, of course, right? <laughs> and it's like, I don't have a me to get rid of my stress, so I have to figure other avenues for that. And of course, meditation is a huge one for me. And this is all first and second chakra stuff that I need to really get super clear, super powerful. Yeah. I needed to up my diet. Um, and again, all my holistic tricks. And uh, at, once I got clear about that and dialed into it, it it was able to work itself out. And she, of course, is much better now as a result, too. Uh, yeah. do, you, do you have another example? Because that was fascinating. I'd love to hear another quick one if you have one of, uh, I don't know, a dog or a cat or something that took on something because it really wanted the owner to see that it was doing this to be a mirror for the owner. Yes, but I, I wanted to come back on one other thing that you asked that's important because you said, how does somebody, how does somebody find a, an, an intuitive interspecies communicator who they, you know, who has, who is the real deal? Yep. Um, referrals are very important. You know, that is really how I built my business. But there is uh, Penelope Smith is kind of the mother of us all in terms of um, being one of the first communicators, non-native I mean, of course, indigenous people have been doing this forever, but I mean, in this, in this new profession of animal communication, where we, those of us who again, were willing to be vulnerable and brave enough, put out a shingle, Penelope was one of the first. She wasn't the first, but she was one of the first. And um, she has a newsletter. She has a species link and uh -huh. I think it's speciesLink.org. Um, and um, she has a list of animal communicators there who have agreed to a code of ethics. They have presented testimonials. They have uh, presented some uh, media coverage. Um, we don't have a big official uh, association or anything like that. This is this is the closest thing to what we have that is a bit of a screen, if you will. Um, and, you know, there the again, the referrals matter a lot. And um, to remember to, and, and again, experience, you know, somebody who took a workshop and then put a shingle out. I, you know, maybe it'll go well, and 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 but but you know, there's a big difference between somebody who's just out of medical school and somebody who's practiced for thirty or forty years, um, just in their knowledge base. And it's the same with everything, mechanics, and you know, um, anybody who's creative or and you know, so um, experience counts, um, especially yes. in something that is this personal, intimate. Also, delivery matters because uh, technically I have experienced many stories. I've had a lot of people tell stories about having bad experiences with people who just deliver the information very badly. Mm -hmm. um, you know, things like, oh, you're, you know, your dog hates your boyfriend and your dog's going to die if you don't get rid of the boyfriend. Oh, God. <laughs> that was that. That was real. I actually had somebody come to me and, you know, in tears and say, oh, my God, you know, what am I, you know. Uh, what am I going to do? And I was just like, oh, God. So, yeah, no, not helpful. If it isn't, there's got to be a way to make it helpful. You know, I told the story about the horse and the way he put it was he didn't say, yeah, you dopey human. I have an ulcer because you are a lunatic and you're doing too much. You know, he didn't do that. He said, yeah. I'm a mirror. Yeah. Tactful. Very. And that's, you know, that's been my experience. And again, I, I, 
I try to get out of the way. This is really important to me. I want to bring through the purest information that I get. I don't want to interpret it. I want to translate it. I want to be as true to the animal. And sometimes when it is tricky information about cancer or something really scary, um, I say, okay, you tell me how we deliver this information. And they do. (laughs) So that was a a really good example. Um, Let's see. Another example of uh, somebody who's taken something on for someone. Oh, this is a good one. This is a cat story. So um, a client of mine came to me. Her husband was dying of cancer and he would not. And he was young. It was very tragic. And he was um, he was unwilling to do anything holistic. He was going all uh, you know, all allopathic uh, Western medicine, and there was nothing she could do about it. And she had two kitties, one uh, orange tabby, a uh, female named Rita, and Rita was an amazing kitty. And uh, so uh, when her uh, husband passed away, lo and behold, Rita was diagnosed with cancer. And so my client was just miserable you know, oh my God, I can't, I can't lose her. So I had a conversation and I said to her, sweet girl, you did everything to help your daddy. You did an amazing job. And his path was to go to the light. But now your mom needs you. Your your mom really needs you. And are you willing to stay? I mean, if it's not, if it's your time, we understand but if it's not, if you can, if you can transmute this, if you can get well, it would help your mom so much. Well, lo and behold, answer went away. Wow. That's and this cat, this cat has also survived an amputation because when she was young, she was hit by a car before my friend, my client adopted her and they put a big pin in her leg. And when she got older, she was like 12 at the time. This was really becoming a problem. And and we talked to her, what do we do? You know, because there wasn't enough muscle and stuff. And she said, can come off. And wow, she has been amazing. It was not an easy recovery at age 12, if you can imagine. Wow. But she pulled through and is with us today. And I think it's been two or three more years later. So she is this miracle cat. Talk about a healer. Wow. She to help him as best she could. But again, his path was his path. But she was able to say, oh, okay, but not my path. And mom needs me. And I'm going to get rid of that. <laughs> and she did. That's incredible. Uh, I mean, I, I have a tiny little story I shared with you of this little baby chick that I had pulled out of death's doorway. Uh, it was on its side and really didn't look like it was going to make it. And I ended up massaging this little stuck particle out of its anal area. And to my, and, and I, and, and as it was kind of laying on its side, I, I, I asked the, and I'm not an animal communicator, but I did have this one little communication with this bird. Um, and, uh, I, I said, and it, it basically told me it was, it was ready to go. I mean, it was looking like it wasn't going to make it. And I just told it how much we loved it. And, you know, I, I, Dropper feed it and take care of it, <laughs> and it said, "All right, also hang around." And my God, <laughs> thing recovered, and it was ended up catching up to the other ones in terms of size. And then to my heartbreak, because it was a very very happy little chicken running around, um, a hawk got it by the side of the house, which was 
um, an unexpected tragedy. But then I again tuned in. I thought, well, I talked to this creature before, you know, maybe I can talk to it again. And I, I tuned into it and it said, he said, it was okay. It was my time to go. And I was like, so crazy. I, <laughs> so, um, you know, that's my, my itsy bitsy experience with, um, having that connection with animals and having them talk, uh, at, at that level. Well, this is something we all have. This is the other thing. It's, you know, okay. So we can, we, I, I used to say everybody can do this, but what I realized is not everybody has an aptitude for it. Just like some people are, are brilliant at music. Others are brilliant at math. Others are great athletes, right? Um, not everybody is going to be good at all those things. So some of us came in with our intuition because I believe this is an exercised intuition that it's a muscle, like an intuitive muscle that I have exercised and I use every day right. um, with animals. And so, um, so it's a, you know, that's just strong muscle, but all of us have that muscle. All of us have intuition. And again, the more we get into our hearts and connection, the more that just blossoms. So the, the, the other thing about, you know, your, your love and compassion is that that is the food for that, for your intuition to grow and your ability to connect like to the chickens, they were in an emergency situation and you, you you went through your heart and you, through your love of them, you opened up to hear, to, to receive. And that is how many people's first start to receive is, is, and many people as children were open and shut it down. Yes. Absolutely. We can all get it again. Some of us have to work harder to, to restore it. And I do have a dear friend who was a police officer and you know, her, she was very, very left brained and um, went to a workshop and, and, you know, with a friend and everybody was picking up all this information from a photograph of a dog on a boat. And she was like, I see a dog on a boat. <laughs> and then she was like, but, but something in her stirred, really stirred. And she said, I want to learn how to do this. I want to remember. She had to work her little butt off. She studied with a terrific teacher in California, Carol Gurney. And um, she she found her way, but she had to work hard. And now she is an extraordinary animal communicator. Uh, she she has reach out to horses. She does incredible uh, natural horsemanship with horses. She's a brilliant, brilliant being who is giving so much to the world. And so she had to work at it. I was blessed with, as I said, I was open, but I closed down when my beloved Dusty died when I was eight. I shut it all down and I didn't. I, and I think that was a survival mechanism too. As you know, people who are empaths, people who are sensitive, that's a hard, it's a hard road for us. We see and feel things that nobody else gets. So you can feel really isolated, alone and crazy because a lot of people tell you you're crazy when you say, my God, this squirrel, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, who cares about a squirrel? And you're like, oh, <laughs> and so you, we shut it down to survive. And then I was lucky, you know, in my 20s, I went to therapy, late 20s, and discovered this whole intuitive part of me I had put away. I had banished that. And I had to bring her back. This Like this little girl, this little intuitive little girl, I had to bring her back and integrate her again. And when I did, things started to happen. But I was old enough and stable. I knew I wasn't crazy. I, well, I, you know, I'm a Taurus. I'm a pretty strong person. So I was like, no, this is not nuts. I feel that love coming up that I had with Dusty. This is so not nuts. This is real. So I went forward with it. And so I encourage people and I, you know, I, I, I don't teach classes, but I do kind of do some one-on-one -on -one work with people. 
um, and meet them where they are. And we work together for a couple of months and um, that's to get past a lot of the blocks and a lot of the, you know, Aunt Harriet saying, oh, it's just your imagination, dearie. You know, the rose isn't going to talk to you. That's just silly. Aren't you silly? And you have to go, okay, no, I'm not going to internalize Aunt Harriet telling me this is silly and this is not real. I got to thank you, Aunt Harriet. You're out of here now. <laughs> so I, I, that, that, that conversation you've had with yourself is a familiar one because uh, there were many times in my life I thought, well, either I'm completely crazy or I'm onto something. And I just would force myself to look at all the people that were healing that I was working with and go, I don't think I'm totally crazy. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, look at the results, right? <laughs> right. So, um, Kate, I really just want to thank you so much. I know we could talk for a week. Fascinating. <laughs> um, I love the um, delicious perspective that you're bringing to us about how important it is to respect and learn from um, these amazing creatures that um, um, didn't didn't leave the weekly meetings as humans did. Yeah, right. <laughs> they but, stayed. <laughs> nah. um, how can people learn more? Um, what's your website? How do you want people to connect with you? Yeah, the best way is through my website. And it's just my name, katesolisti.com. So K-A-T-E-S is in Sam, O-L-I-S again, T is in Tina, I, katesolisti.com. And all the info's there about individual sessions about my my community that works with the wild animals called the Harmony Pack. Um, and so, so yes, and books and all that stuff that I've done, um, that's all there. And that's the best way to, to get a hold of me. And, I know um, have a, a newsletter that people can just go to your website, and get their information in, and that, yeah. way, that connection built in there. And you put out beautiful newsletters. Thank you. Beautiful pictures. Very, very, very well done. Oh, thank you. If that's a labor of love, I love to write. And I love to share, you know, whether it's a health tip about diet or, you know, nutrition or prevention or blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, also messages from the animals and different perspectives. And um, so I do love to do that. So thank you. I'm glad you enjoy reading them. <laughs> My pleasure. Thank you so much. It's just been so great to have you on, Kate. Um, you are a light and um, I learned stuff, uh, you know, I didn't know about you and I, I, again, I could talk to you for a week and continue to learn more. So perhaps we'll do this again uh, sometime soon. And um, I, again, appreciate your time being here. Send us a note. Um, reach out to me. Reach out to Kate. We love hearing from you. Um, share it with your friends. Um, and thanks so much for being here. We'll see you on the next episode of Next Level Dealing. Thank you so much, Tara. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Next Level Healing. Please like, subscribe, and let us know how this helped you. How can it be even more life-changing? We love hearing from you. And if you're eager to upgrade your life, click the button here or go to consultterra.com and get your free customized GPS map. Get the coordinates for where you are now and where you want to go. Clients consistently report it's faster and easier than they thought possible. Remember, you were meant for more, and it is available to you. See you right here next week for our next episode. Yeah.